Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. I feel like uh, East Tennessee is the only lucky weather place in the country time. Tennessee basketball kind of almost looked like Tennessee basketball again time. Football staff almost together time. Guys, things might not be on fire right now time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a late Thursday afternoon slash early Thursday evening, depending on how you differentiate that. I tend to think of 6 o'clock before that as afternoon, and 6 o'clock afterward is nighttime, but, you know, whatever time it is, whatever day it is, happy you're spending part of it with us here on the podcast Guys, I uh, hope you're well wherever you are. I know a lot of people in the country right now are uh, having it pretty rough. I know a lot of people uh, in the, sort of the deep south there are not getting a lot of this, not used to this winter weather, getting a lot of it. looks pretty bad, a lot of power turn off, I know, in Texas, Louisiana, other places. Just hate to see all that. Hope you all are, hope you all are doing all right. Hope you're staying warm. We've been pretty lucky here, actually. It's uh, actually pretty, pretty nice here today, all things considered. I mean, it's, it's less than 50 degrees, so it's terrible and everything sucks. But in general, in general, uh, it could be a lot worse. Uh, and, and since I was that optimistic, I'm going to let you all know that joining me on this podcast is by far the most optimistic version, optimistic member of Govall's 24-7 staff. It's Grant Ramey from the Govall's 24-7 Blount County Satellite Office down there in Merville. Grant, what's up? My cup's not half full. It's constantly overflowing. It is a veritable flood out of my cup. It looked every like, single day. It looked like a second ago it was a lot of uh, a lot of uh, protein drink from your cup actually got onto your hands and face and not as much maybe into your mouth. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a struggle when the mixing cup doesn't mix it all up and it gets all clumpy and you got to eat it out of the bottom of the cup like a savage. <laughs> you know what's that uh, the 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 weight struggles, weight gain struggles, the struggle yeah. is real. Do you even lift, bro? Yeah, do you even lift? You know what? Does South Carolina even lift, bro? Last night, Tennessee took out the Gamecocks 93-73 to in a game where, let's be honest, South Carolina, um, an okay team. I don't think it's a terrible team, but it's certainly not a good team. And it was playing without two of its key players. Of course, Tennessee also playing without Josiah Jordan-James, who's been battling a wrist injury for a while now. He says it's a sprain, but... We'll see. Tennessee hopes he's able to go on Saturday. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But the bottom line is Tennessee uh, without James and and having to prepare for a couple days without Santiago Vescovi. Uh, he kind of gets eligible again at the last minute after some, some false positive tests from another teammate. Long story there. But bottom line is uh, Tennessee's preparation for South Carolina was a little bit aw- awkward, a little bit odd. Odd, awkward, awkward, odd, if I could pick out which word to say. It was both of those things. Still, though, 93-73 to 73 win, 
And you know, Grant, I wrote this in a column last night, uh, or I guess last night, early this morning. It all kind of blends together with a 9 p.m. Eastern tip. But that sometimes, um, sometimes what's actually good luck is, is just kind of bad luck in a disguise. Or I think I said bad luck uh, with morning breath and bedhead. You just need a comb and a toothbrush and, you know, you can figure things out. What do I mean by that? Well, I don't know if, if John Fulkerson's back in the starting lineup if Josiah Jordan-James is healthy. I don't know if that's the case. He might not have been, but he was in the starting lineup, plays his best game in a few weeks, actually. He goes out there with 19 points, I believe six rebounds, three assists. And uh, Victor Bailey Jr. is starting in place of Vescovi, who had gotten eligible just before the game started, but still he hadn't practiced for a couple days, so they stuck with Bailey there. That's kind of Barnes' policy most of the time. And lo and behold, after scoring zero points for the first time all season at LSU, Bailey turns around and throws up 29 points, a career high, on the Gamecocks, I believe 7 of 10 or whatever he was from three. Uh, just, I mean, because he started like two of four or something, so or one of three, and then he just didn't miss for a while. I mean, it was uh, just a kind of a an interesting game, but all things considered, Grant, I think a pretty big game for Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, it's the same story kind of with the ups and downs, and it's just different characters for this version of the story. Um, obviously, yeah, Bailey scored no points at LSU. He played 11 minutes, his lowest uh, total of the season. And then he comes out and, and to kind of lay out the week, they get a positive test on Sunday, uh, Tennessee does, from a player. They do three straight days of testing, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all negatives. So that Sunday test is deemed a false positive. I think it was termed as a Nick Saban rule. If you can get negatives on three straight, then that was a false positive originally. So Tennessee was without, I think they would have been without four players had that been a legitimate positive or a positive positive or whatever you want to call that. Yeah. Um, but they find out Wednesday before shoot around that it's a false positive. They, they got their Wednesday results back. They're all negative. So, you know, in practice the last two days leading up to that game, it was Victor Bailey running point guard. It was Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson at guard. And that was kind of it in the backcourt. They were pretty limited there. Um, Rick Barnes mentioned Santiago Viscovi missing time. Uh, and that's why, obviously, like you mentioned, VJ started there. And for whatever reason, you know, as much as VJ has been missing shots and it looks like he's kind of been in his own head the last few weeks, he got out of that because he was forced into such a bigger role. He had to play a, a ton of minutes. He had to take a ton of shots. He's going to take a lot of shots regardless, not in the night out. Just which about. I love, which I love, by the way, but still. Right. Live, live life with a green light as, uh, as everybody should. Yes. Um, and, and the same for Fulkerson. I mean, like you mentioned, Josiah is out. He's got to do a little bit more. He's got to play a little bit of a bigger role. And it really didn't start out well for him either. You mentioned VJ missing some shots early. Folky, uh, he missed a defensive assignment in the first half and got absolutely lit into in a, in a, t- a huddle at uh, one of the media timeouts. Basically got thrown out of the huddle. He was told to get up out of his seat and get in the back so Keon Johnson could sit down. I mean, they went after him, Michael Schwartz and Rick Barnes, both uh, for missing a defensive assignment. So it took a minute for them, but they responded and, and they beat a South Carolina team that I don't know if I've ever seen a team start seven for nine from a three-point line like South Carolina did um, on the road at Thompson Bowling Arena. And and to, you know, I mean, they're a couple weeks removed, I don't know, two or three weeks now from that 50-point game at Ole Miss. And they have 50 points in the first half uh, against South Carolina. They go on to score 93. They got 26 assists on 32 made buckets, um, 29 from from Bailey, 19 from Fulkerson. Those are the guys that, yeah, if they play, if they're as active, they don't have to be that productive every night, but if they can give this team something, it's obviously 
uh, a much different team, but with the ups and downs, you just never know what you're going to get because it's it's one game up, then it's another game down. It's been like that really since uh, Alabama came to Knoxville and beat them in the second game of the SEC. Yeah, it was far from a perfect performance because, you know, you're you're really fortunate when you turn the ball over 16 times to to score 93 points, and that means that you're you're getting a lot of possessions, you're you're making some shots, so you're doing a lot of good things. But those Tennessee turnovers come in bunches, and against a better team, that that would be a problem because I looked at it in the second half. I think Tennessee made like seven of its first 12 or seven of its first 13 shots. At that same exact moment, though, Tennessee had seven turnovers in the half. So they'd made seven of 12 or whatever it was. That's that's really, really good. Also had seven turnovers. And what should have been a game that was 20 points or so at that point uh, was like a nine-point game and, and or, or seven-point game, whatever it was. And that that's that's not okay. Um, and, and you saw, you know, Keon Johnson, listen, he's great, probably going to be a lottery pick. It's just it's a shame that his absolute best basketball will come uh, when he's left Tennessee, but that's just how it goes sometimes. A phenomenal talent. Didn't have his best night. Had some nice assists. Had, made a couple nice buckets, um, but was the only negative plus minus on the team. He had like five turnovers. Uh, he, he struggled. He was in foul trouble, a couple tough calls. Um, but, you know, it, it just some of those turnovers in bunches. He and Springer had a couple. Vescovi had a couple that just weren't very good. Bailey was really the only one who consistently took care of the ball on top of everything else he did, which which was huge. But those turnovers in bunches like that, you know, if those happened against, let's say, a team that's going to get out and run, let's say an LSU, if that had happened at LSU or against – at home against LSU, either one, that's a problem. That happens against Alabama, how many times are they going to hit transition threes on the other end? If that's Kentucky, how many times are those going to guys get out and as bad as they are at times, those Kentucky guys, if you give them live ball turnovers, they can go they can go run out and get a bucket really quick. And South Carolina just didn't have the guard play to capitalize on it consistently. Um, but I think, you know, Eve Ponds did a nice job rebounding uh, with Josiah Jordan James out, there were some good things in that game. Uh, the turnovers were frustrating, and, and I got to say, Grant, I, I don't, I don't understand some of these. Uh, I mean, is it? You know, you're there in the arena. I've been there for in the arena for one game this season. You've you've been at, at, at all the rest of them, so you've seen much more than I have, like up close and personal in a quiet arena where you can hear more things. Is it just guys switching off? Is it that simple, or, or, or is it you know, hey, got to credit the other team for making a play? I don't know. I don't know if it's fatigue. I don't know if it's if it's these freshmen playing as many minutes as they're playing this late in the year, and I mean they, they've really ramped up their minutes the last you know three or four weeks where they've gone from twenty four minutes a game to like thirty two minutes a game. That's a huge increase. Yeah, That's, that you're you're going to see that in the second half of games, they're going to struggle. I don't think that excuses anything um, with seven turnovers in the, in the first 10 minutes of the second half, uh, like they had the other night. It's for some reason when this team gets a big lead, it's just kind of allergic to that moment and it, and it starts getting sloppy and turns the ball over. And, and before you know it, that 17 point lead to nine point lead and the other team's back in the game. I mean, you can go back to March, 2019, Tennessee has a huge lead on Colgate. Colgate gets back in that game, the first round of the NCAA tournament. Tennessee has an even bigger lead against Iowa two days later in the second round. Iowa storms all the way back, forces overtime. Um, uh, Purdue, they, they dig a big hole and come back. My point is there's going to be runs in every basketball game. Yeah. There's going to be big momentum shifts. But this team doesn't have Admiral Schofield. This team doesn't have Grant Williams. This team doesn't have Jordan Bone. They're not good enough to go through runs like that this late in the year and expect them to be able to 
hold on to it, to save it, whatever, uh, or to dig out of a hole. They're going to have to find some kind of consistency. They're going to have to find a way to, when they do get that 15-point lead, to put a team away and not have to worry about it uh, down the stretch. They didn't have to worry about it a ton against South Carolina, but South Carolina is not a very good basketball team. Look at their record. Look at what they've done over the last 10 games. That They haven't done anything. Um, so to let them get it back down to seven or whatever it was, um, you know, kudos to Tennessee. They found answers, but you can't keep doing that and expect to get away with it, especially when it when the intensity ratchets up like, like it does against Kentucky at home on Saturday, like it does against Auburn in two weeks, like it does when you go to Nashville for the SEC tournament and then Indy for the NCAA tournament. So they're going to have to find a way to build some consistency from game to game and within each game as well. Yeah, because I'm looking, I'm going to look at the numbers here. I mean, they they had they had those 16 turnovers, and South Carolina only scored 13 points off those 16 turnovers. Which you know, considering how many of those were live ball turnovers and stuff, that's a miracle. You know, I mean, hey, credit Tennessee for getting back in transition defense. They got guys like Johnson and Pons uh, and Fulkerson who will go back there and erase things. They'll chase you down. They'll make plays, but. If if you're doing that against a better team, you know it's runs are going to happen in every game, and, and they're going to happen no matter what. You know, I don't care. You put like an NBA team against a college team. At some point in the game, that college team is going to go on like a six zero eight zero run. That's basketball, man. That happens. It's no big deal. Even if you lose a game by thirty points, you're going to have like a couple six zero eight zero spurts. But but when Tennessee does this and it's turnovers that cause them, that's the frustrating part. Let it be missed shots that do that. You know, let, let it be missed shots. It's just you're, you can't avoid turnovers, and, and if you want to play fast, you're going to have a few more turnovers. That's just how it is. But it's late in the season now. They haven't had any, you know, until the past few days, they hadn't had any big COVID scares or whatever recently. I mean, they've been practicing. The, the, this should not be happening. Uh, some, there, there, there's just there's too many turnovers here, and, and I, I don't – it's like there's too many guys on the floor – who should be much better ball handlers than they are. And I think they are pretty good, like in terms of just handling the ball, but they do those spin moves that do not work. They throw those kind of lazy passes. Um, they, they go for the highlight when it's not necessarily needed. I mean, a highlight's good, right? You know, you throw a lob, you know, you, you get it behind the back, you do something like that. You can rev up your team, man. I, I'm all for that. that. That's add a little flair to it. That'll that'll give you give you some wind under your sails. But but you can't they just come in they come in clusters and I think Barnes may have even waited a possession too long to call timeout to make sure to get that stopped because I think it looked like he wanted to watch him play through it and then he's like this isn't going to work I'm going to have to call timeout but that that's that that's just that, that that's got to stop because there are there are so many other things this team can do that you know if it just won't give a game away It'll be in every single game it plays. I don't care who Tennessee is playing. I don't care what court it's on. I, I I don't care. Even take a guy or so out of the lineup. They play defense well enough, and they have enough pieces on offense to keep themselves in every single game they play if they don't give the game away. And then if they make shots, they're going to win. But, you know, you're getting to that time of the year now where, granted, there's just a couple weeks away from from being – one bad day and you're done, right? Like, I mean, I know there's a, there's a couple more games left. We'll see what the SEC tacks on the end of the regular season. Then you get the SEC tournament. So it's not, like, imminent. But it's coming soon. And I, I just, you know, it just seems to me like I, I can't get this thought out of my head that this team is destined to end the season 
against a team that shouldn't have beat them because they gave the game away. It just looks like over the course of, you know, whatever, you got to win four to get to the Final Four. It just looks like at some point it's so hard to trust that they're going to have four games where they don't do that. You having Sister Jean flashbacks after watching Loyola and Drake a they couple are, times man, they are over good. the weekend? They are good. Just, just takes one free throw jumper to get a clean bounce up high off the rim, hit the glass, roll in. And that awkward freshman, big man for them, is yeah. now still an awkward upperclassman big man, and he's awesome. Even bigger, yes, even he, bigger man, even rounder man. Yeah, he's like that. Uh, he's almost got some of that like Jokic game or whatever, you know, just kind of like the awkward big man, uh, the college version of him who could just do everything and you, you don't know how. But, I mean, yeah, bottom line is it's just hard to trust that they're going to do this consistently. Yeah, if there was one positive from – letting that 16-point lead go down to seven against South Carolina. It was that Victor Bailey answered with a corner three. That was huge. Got it back to 10. Next trip down, Keon Johnson has a really nice pass from the free throw line to a cutting John Fulkerson, who scores at the rim. Then uh, Tennessee forces a turnover. Fulkerson runs the floor, dunks it in transition. That's a 7-0 run over just a little bit over a minute, I think. Yeah, 103. South Carolina take, takes a timeout. It's back to a 14-point lead after that 7-0 run. So, I mean, that's the response that you need from John Fulkerson. He doesn't have to score you 19 points every night. He needs to get you those big buckets when you really need a big bucket to plug the gap. Um, so if he can do that, it's one thing to do it against South Carolina on a Wednesday night at Thompson Bowling Arena in the middle of February. It's another thing to do it uh, in the SEC tournament or in uh, Indianapolis, first or second round, whatever, wherever this team is, however far it goes. Can they get those answers consistently because it looks like they're a team right now until further notice. I mean, that's why I asked Rick Barnes on Monday, can you fix this inconsistency? Is it kind of the point of no return? Is this just who this team is? And if so, can you really expect them to have a lot of success in a tournament sport where it's, you know, like you mentioned, that one shot bounces and you, you go home if it, if it bounces against you. So I don't know if they can fix it. They had a good answer against South Carolina, but that's South Carolina. Let's see what they look like against Kentucky, against Auburn, you know, all these other teams down the road. And before we go to break, Grant, I, I, I want to say this, because you, you mentioned Fulkerson, you know, you know, rim running and being active. And I, the more that, that I listen to Rick Barnes talk about John Fulkerson, the more I think, as, as well he should, he just totally understands what Fulkerson can do and what he wants him to do. Basically, the more John Fulkerson moves, the better he is. And it's like, you know what? He is a pest. He is a an absolute pest to play against when he's when he's doing his thing because he never stops moving. Other big men do not want to run with him. Uh, he runs out there and and on those ball screens, he really gets into you and and messes up uh, your offense. And then on when when you're on defense and you're trying to guard him, he's just all over the place. He's making screens. He's getting to the free throw line. He's cutting where he needs to go. He's drawing defenders. He's kicking out. He's drawing fouls. He's getting to the foul line. He's a really good free throw shooter usually, unless it's the front end of a one on one, which Tennessee just doesn't do very well at all. That's uh, just it is what it is at this point, but. It's like, you know, he doesn't have to go out there, like you said, and he doesn't have to go out there and give you, you know, 18 and 8 or 18 and 10 or whatever every night. You know, you just need him to be himself. Just go out there and be, forgive me, just go be a pain in the ass. Just go do that. If he will go do that, then you know what? That That's his game. I mean, if you're boxing – and, and you don't have the weight advantage, you don't have the strength advantage, you don't have the reach advantage, you better have the quickness advantage, and you better be able to get out of the way. He can't camp out in the lane because just about every forward 
he plays against has the size advantage, has the weight advantage, yeah, like has the strength advantage. Fifty pounds they're gonna sometimes. Lean, they're gonna <laughs> right. They're gonna lean on him. They're gonna push him around. They're not gonna let him get where he wants to go. The way he gets to his spots is with his quickness and cutting and and being a pest. Like you said, he needs to be, you know, that gnat flying around this guy's face that is just annoying him the entire game. I mean, he's got to use that quickness to find ways to get where he needs to go. That's the way he's got to play the game because he doesn't have those physical advantages. And yeah, obviously Rick Barnes is going to know it better than anybody because he's been trying to get it out of him consistently for five years now. So uh, Tennessee's going to have to get something. You're, it doesn't have to be 18 and 10. Like you said, it doesn't have to be those kind of numbers. Give you 12 and 7. If you can do that every night, that's what this Tennessee team needs and balance that scoring a little bit. And maybe it becomes a little bit more consistent. Yeah, if you can get if you can get between Fulkerson and Pons twenty five and fifteen or so, twenty five and sixteen, that's that's good, man. You get that you get that from them, and somebody else does some scoring, you're good to go. And, and that's just you know, and, and I think it, it's clear that listen, you know, Fulkerson's been banged up. He doesn't want to talk about it. He's a tough kid, um, but he's banged up. Uh, we know Pons is banged up. We know the 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 knees bothering him. We know James has been playing through some stuff. Uh, I still think Jaden Springer would play above the rim more if his ankle was feeling great, but I still don't think it's feeling great because he still is kind of like, no, I'll just lay it up sometimes, you know, when really he could go up there and we've seen him throw it down pretty viciously before. So, you know, they're 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 dinged up. It happens uh, this time of year, but just really, really important to get that from Fulkerson. And I think the fact that, that, it, that it did come back, at least for that game, is a really good sign for Tennessee because it it, it makes Tennessee – look more like Tennessee and, and be – it's why I think Tennessee can be special, and I don't think I'm the only one who thinks this, but it's it wasn't just Fulkerson. It's Fulkerson, Bailey, a lot of different things. But there's a reason why I think Tennessee can be special, and we're going to talk about that in the second segment. Before we do that, though, we're going to take a quick break, listen to products, ad services, other fun things, and then get back here for another segment, uh, or as we started calling them, I guess, the Epeditions of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. 
time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a late Thursday afternoon, perhaps early Thursday evening. We talked about that before. It's kind of right in that tweener, right in the twilight, the tweener mode. i got Grant Ramey coming to you from the GoVols 24-7 Blount County Satellite Office down there in Maryville, talking Tennessee basketball on this edition of the GoVols 24-7 podcast. We The past couple have, have been more football-related. Now we've got more of a basketball one. It's that time of year where you know, they're going to be a little basketball heavy now for the next little bit. Um, but as there's football news and as spring practice ramps up, we're obviously going to have a ton of football stuff too. And some baseball updates. Those guys are, are ranked, uh, I believe, 16th nationally coming into the season, playing this weekend at Georgia Southern. Lots to talk about there. Going to go back to talking about hoops in this segment. Before we do that, though, quick reminder, please go in there, guys. Take a minute out of your time right now. Please go in there and subscribe to this podcast. Whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod, you can find the GoVoss 24-7 podcast. And I know that because I see the numbers and I see people listening from all over the world. Although we did fall out of the rankings in South Korea this week. So uh, South Korea, get your stuff together. This is, you know what, we, we were, I have, a, I, have a special, I have a special connection to y'all because I like some of your TV shows. So you need to go back to watching or go back to listening to more of these podcasts. So let's get back in the rankings in South Korea. But please go in there, hit the subscribe button. Please rate and review this podcast uh, because of the algorithms, because of the way things work, or the way of our world. If you continue doing that, more and more people will continue to, to subscribe to this podcast and listen to it, and we can keep growing this thing because I still think we've come so far the past couple of years, but I just I still think we're just kind of scratching the surface of what we can do with this thing. So I know how big and passionate the Tennessee fan base is. I know that we've got combined uh, as much experience as anyone covering this this crazy university and its athletics program. So we're, we're going to bring it to you. So please do that. Also go to GoVols247.com and subscribe. That's like this podcast, but um, – in written word and in video, and uh, as the name says, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Please go check that out. Grant, one thing that, going back to that, that Tennessee game, uh, the basketball game, on Wednesday night, the 93-73 to win over South Carolina down there in the Tommy Bowl, about 2 point or 1.9, whatever it is, miles from here at Fort Rucker Studio. Tennessee got back to, to showing what I think is, is what makes this team potentially special. And, and and it's not just like it's not the starting five. Because I think if you go across the SEC and you 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 tell me now listen, I know that Tennessee's got a lottery pick, uh, maybe one more first round pick, a couple other guys who who could have a chance to play in the league, maybe the best defensive player in college basketball, an all SEC big man. It's a really good starting five when when it's all put together there. But I still think I might prefer LSU's starting five to Tennessee's. Uh, I think they're just really, really dynamic in the backcourt and, um, you know, just more consistent scorers there. Um, and and I, I just, you know, I might rather have LSU's just pure starting five. Um, obviously, Alabama, it'd be hard to turn down that starting five because 
Those guys, I mean, that they had they play to a system and they're recruited to a system and they play to it and they play it really well and they're just having an incredible run through the SEC this season. But why I still would take Tennessee's roster over any other roster in the league, it's not because of the starting five. It's because of like the 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 top ten guys. Tennessee is built in a way that should nothing guarantees success, Grant. No, nothing guarantees you success because you're playing a weird sport where a mid-major can knock you out of the tournament and stun you by hitting 18 threes in a game. Things happen. Weird things happen. But Tennessee, the way this roster is built, you have one of the very best defenses in college basketball. Was ranked number one. Now it's number three because they're playing faster. But still an elite defense. And you've got seven guys on the roster, seven guys who legitimately could go out there any night, any opponent, score 20 points. And they got a couple other guys who can score on top of that. They just have – that should give you a pretty wide margin for error going into games. You don't need everybody hitting shots. You don't need that because you play great defense, and then if maybe two or three of those seven scorers are scoring the ball – you got a chance to win every game you play. It should work. And we saw Wednesday night that it does work because you take out one of the most indispensable players to the system in Josiah Jordan-James, a guy who does absolutely everything and needs to play 30 minutes a game because of everything that he does. Take him out. You prepare for a couple days without your starting point guard. So, you know, you don't. he comes off the bench. And Victor Bailey Jr., a guy who had just scored zero points in the previous game, drops 29. Fulkerson, who hasn't done anything significant in weeks, drops 19. And Jaden Springer goes out there and does what he does. So Tennessee, let, let's recap this. Did not have a five-star prospect because he wasn't available to play in the game because of a wrist injury. Another five-star guard had one of his sort of worst games in a while. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. Tennessee still committed 16 turnovers on top of that and beat an SEC team by 20 points. I, I just – that to me is what makes Tennessee potentially special, and it's why I don't care what happens the next two or three weeks. Grant, if I'm going into the tournament, I don't I don't want to see Tennessee uh, if I'm an opponent because I don't want to scout Tennessee. I think that's what makes them special, and I think it also is – what can make them especially frustrating that you don't know if you're going to get a zero from Victor Bailey or if you're going to get a 29 or if you're going to get uh, what was like 17 points over Fulkerson's last four games or 19 uh, against South Carolina. Uh, You can go down the list. There's talent there. There's pieces there on paper. There's depth there, but not every game does that depth show up. Not every game do these pieces work the way they should. And and to this point, when it's February, when you're, you know, starting to really get closer to March and starting to really start looking at brackets and seating and, you know, focus on all that stuff, you need to know what you're going to get from those guys. I think the talent's there. I think the pieces are there. I don't think the edge is there right now. I think they had a much better edge early in the season when they're a lot more tenacious on defense. They're taking care of the ball better. They weren't scoring as much points. They weren't running as much. They need to run like they have been. Don't get me wrong. But they also got to play really good defense. They've also got to kind of get that edge back there. And they got to figure out what they're going to get from these guys on a more consistent day to day basis because it's great to have all those guys. It's great to have that kind of depth and that kind of talent on this roster. But it doesn't do you a ton of good if you don't know if this guy's going to look like a walk on one night and an all American the next night. And 
if you can't figure out if there's not any happy medium there, um, it's going to be really hard in March to think you're going to have a ton of success. This team could go on a run. They could, they could be playing lights out. You see it every year where a team that struggled in the middle of the season, had some really bad low points, finds something in March and goes on a crazy run. That happens a lot. It could happen with this Tennessee team or like we talked about in the first segment, they could get a bad bounce and they could be gone uh, against an upset minded, you know, number what, 11, 12 seed, whatever it is in the yeah. first round, wherever Tennessee ends up. So it, it does make them special. And I think they have special upside, but they are tear your hair out frustrating trying to figure out who's going to show up in what moment and, and what it's going to look like. Yeah. Cause Tennessee could still be anywhere from like what a two seed to like a six or seven seed, depending on how the next few weeks go. I mean, right. On Saturday, they were the, when the selection committee did their thing, they released the top 16 seeds. Tennessee was a number three seed, the number 11 overall seed out of those top 16. And as of, you know, earlier Thursday morning, Joe Lenardi had him as the number 16 overall seed in his projection. So then the last number four seed on that number four seed line. So there, there's going to be some variance. I think right now they're more like a five seed with a three seed potential. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, can they get up that high depending on what they do the next couple of weeks? Yeah, I think they, there's a chance, in my opinion, they could be like a four if the bracket came out today. Uh, I think it, it, and it's weird to say that, but but there's a couple reasons for that. One, the like the the BPI net, all those rankings, the analytics really like Tennessee. And on top of that, if you listen carefully, the national media really, really likes Tennessee. There have been so many times going into this tournament where Tennessee has just not gotten a lot of love. And I don't know that that affects a seed line, but in my opinion, sometimes it does. But it's just like people keep looking at this Tennessee team saying, oh, they haven't been great for the past month, but I wouldn't want to play that team. Yeah, that's a good team. There aren't many teams who could give the top teams trouble. I mean, we heard Doster come on this podcast, Goodman, others have said it. You know, Parrish, they've all said it, been like, I don't know if I'd want to play this team because because of that. But so so I think they could end up, I mean, if they if they go on a tear here the next couple of weeks, play really well in the tournament, do something like um, beating Alabama or something in the SEC tournament or, you know, you know, kind of make up for that, that those Florida or Mizzou losses, do some stuff like that. Okay, I mean, maybe they go up a line or two. But the bottom line is that they're going to be somewhere in that range. And I wonder, there's only a couple of bad things I can really think about. When you've got a team at the college level that has seven guys that could drop 20 any night, there's only a couple things I, I wonder about. Um, and, and the first one is one that I think is pretty obvious, and, and that's, you know, when you really need it going down the stretch, who are you going to? Can you just ride the hot hand? What if nobody's having a really hot night then? Who's your go-to guy? I think it should be Springer. But, you know, hey, there's, you know, there's times where, hey, Viscovi never misses free throws late in games, like ever. So, you know, he's hit some big shots before Bailey – is not afraid. He'll take a half-court shot if you ask him to. He doesn't give a bleep. He just doesn't care. But when you go look at that, that's one thing that's a concern. The second thing, though, and this gets back to the edge thing you were talking about, Grant. This is a concern I have about this Tennessee team. When you have seven guys who can go out there and score 20 points almost just about any time, I wonder if that takes the edge off because guys think, ah, if I don't have it tonight, we got six other guys who can go out there and drop 20 or 30. I, I'm just – I don't have it tonight, man. I just don't have it. And they don't fight through it. And that's what I wonder. It's just a different – you know, there's – the NBA and the college, they're different games. But you can tell in the NBA, they just kind of – on a night-to-night basis, if you're not a superstar, you just either have it or you don't, right? 
and and you play 82 games, so normally the better teams end up with more wins. But you just have nights where you go, ugh. And I, and I wonder, it's a compa- it's a more compacted season in college. It's a different thing. But this team kind of has that vibe sometimes where you'll see guys be like, nah, I'm not having it today, so I'm not going to. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna force it. I'm not gonna try to put up some shots. I'm not gonna really kind of bust the ball loose on defense and get something going. It's not that they're not playing hard. It's that they're not playing the way Tennessee normally plays. Because early in the season, everybody's trying to carve out a role. Everybody's hungry, and they're all fighting to to get on the floor. You know, I mean, you had two five stars coming off the bench, which was motivating all the upperclassmen to go out there every every game and do what they could and hold those guys off as long as they could. Now you've kind of got like in a – like they're just – are they too comfortable, Grant? That's what I'm saying. Are they too comfortable? Yeah, I, I mean, what's that What's that quote about uh, the good's the enemy of great? Is that a quote or am I making that up? Yeah, or like, yeah, the great's the enemy of good, the perfect's the enemy of great or something like that. Yeah. Now I'm confused. But anyway, yeah, you there's, there's an unselfishness to this team, obviously. Uh, I don't think they care who gets the credit night in and night out or who's the leading scorer or whatever. Um, but there needs to be some level of selfishness. To, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get my 10 or 12 or whatever the number is because that's what they need from a lot of these guys on, yeah. the, on the roster. They don't have to get 20 every night from Springer. They don't have to have him scoring the way he scored uh, the last couple of weeks. They don't have to have these guys going off. They just have to have a little bit of something from everybody, and they have to find that guy that's going to call everybody out and make everybody uncomfortable. Coaches can do it a ton. Uh, assistant coaches can do it. Uh, at some point, it's got to be a player. I think it's got to be Josiah Jordan-James. I think he's acknowledged yes, yes, that. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. I think he's going to have to – I mean, he is vocal. Um, he was vocal Wednesday night, even when he was sitting out, but he's going to have to be more vocal on the floor. He's going to have to be more assertive. He's going to have to go after guys more. Um, because right now, Tennessee's biggest concern is Tennessee. Tennessee's got to figure out Tennessee first. The, the roles that these guys have, they have to be figured out and they have to be executed on a consistent basis if this team wants to go where it wants to go or go where it thinks it can go. Uh, Tennessee doesn't have to worry about a selection committee or a seeding in the NCAA tournament. They need to figure themselves out, and they, you know, goal number two on their list should be finishing the top four in the SEC standings, get that double bye into the quarterfinals in Nashville for the SEC tournament, uh, and, and play well from there. Tennessee's got technically two games left on schedule right now, Kentucky and Auburn, and they've got three, I think, openings to add three more games, and, and we'll see what the SEC does there. Um, they had Vanderbilt, Florida, and South Carolina games postponed earlier in the season. We'll see how they make the, those games. I think the SEC wants everybody to play if they 18 were, games. If they were smart, they try to add another Bama game. They right. Were smart. Tennessee doesn't have bad losses, and they might, might get creative. LSU was sent to Ole Miss, was supposed to be sent to Ole Miss Wednesday night, to play a second game in Oxford this season because the SEC wanted to try to get everybody to 18 games. So it's not a guarantee that it's going to be these games that were postponed earlier in the season that are rescheduled. Get another Bama one on TV. That's what I'd want. Right, right. So Tennessee's, A, got to worry about Tennessee. B, worry about getting that double by in the SEC tournament and go from there. Don't worry about all the selection committee stuff, seed lines in Indianapolis, whatever. Uh, What does make it interesting in Indianapolis? There's no geographical, obviously – um, placement in this bracket since everybody's playing in, in the city of Indianapolis. It's an S-curve. Well, you better not be the three or four, uh, the third or fourth team on whatever seed line you're on because you're going to be in that Gonzaga or Baylor bracket, and nobody wants to be in that bracket. Um, yeah. I, I, so if there's something to avoid, avoid that. But Tennessee, that, that's so far down the road. That Tennessee, 
figure out Tennessee first and try to finish top four in the league. Yeah, I mean, before we get out of here, you know, Grant, just to, to not to not belabor this point, but but it, it it is an important point. It's like the central sort of theme of this season, other than the dumb turnovers, which is another theme of the season. They just got to cut that out. But it's like who on the team has the personality to, to be that kind of a guy. In, in an absolutely perfect world, in an absolutely perfect world, it would be John Fulkerson, but he's just not wired that way. Now, he plays night in and night out as hard as you need a leader to play because the leader's got to do a couple things, right? And one of them is he's got to be out there every night giving everything he has where no one can question his attitude. No one can question his commitment. No one can question because you have to be put on that kind of pedestal before you can really challenge somebody else. You know, because these are kids, right? If they see you dogging it and you go up to me, it's not like in the college rank or in the in the pro ranks where this guy makes $28 million a year. So no matter what he does, when he talks, you got to listen. In college, it's like, dude, you're dogging it right now. You're not going to talk to me like that. You're, you're, you're What have you done the past three weeks? You've done nothing. Don't talk to me. So it's got to be a guy who just plays his stuff out every single night. And, and But it's also got to be a guy who is not afraid to get in your face and make you uncomfortable and challenge you. And the problem is Tennessee has a hard time finding a guy who's both of those things because they have guys who will absolutely get in your face and challenge you. Uros Plavsic is one. That dude is one of the best teammates in college basketball, as our good friend Jason Swain always calls him, the best teammate in college basketball. That dude can also be mean. I mean, he can be like a big, like a seven-foot rattlesnake. You don't want to cross that guy. But – he plays like two minutes a week. You know, it, it, you, you can't. He can't be that guy. Uh, Ticket Gaines came, came up Buffalo tough. Every time he's out on the court, he puts everything he has out there. And at some point, I think he could be a leader for this program. But he's not playing enough right now to have that role. There's a lot of games where he doesn't see the floor. It, it can't be him. And then you got guys like Fulkerson who have that kind of a, you know, just dog mentality on the floor but they're not going to really get up and challenge people consistently and be a serious, like, in-your-face leader. You know, Pons is kind of his own man. It's not really his personality. And I don't think James is a perfect fit for this. And I don't want to mention, you know, Springer and Johnson, they're freshmen. It's hard to do as a freshman. I don't care how good you are. James, Grant's not a seamless fit, but I think the reason we keep getting back to him is it's the closest thing to a fit, isn't it? Yes, because he scores the most consistently. He plays. He can play all five positions on the floor. I think he could defend all five positions on the floor. If you asked him to, he's the best rebounder on this team right now. At least he has been the last three weeks. Um, I think he's got one of the highest basketball IQs on this team. I think he's, uh, Kim English said today when, when we, we talked with him, that, that he has the respect of everybody on this roster. Um, and we've talked about this for, you know, dating back a few months. This felt like even – after Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson joined the program, it still felt like it was Josiah's team. I mean, this was the guy that it felt like he kind of became the face when he got here last year. And they were, you know, kind of a, a hodgepodge kind of group of, you know, in between the really good run from 17 to 19 and before Jaden and Keon got here. And it was kind of Josiah, the guy that bridged that gap. Um, and it feels like it's felt like since then that it should be his team. And he needs to, he's like we said, he's acknowledged it. He's, he's talked about it openly that he needs to be that guy and he's going to have to get after people. Now we're going to have to see them do it. Uh, but trying to figure out this team and, and why there isn't that already, it's it's kind of hard to explain because so much talent's there, like we've talked about, that they need that 
that guy that's going to keep them on edge. I don't know. I don't know if it's the universe, you know, leveling out because from that 17 to 19 run, it was like, how are these guys doing it? And how is this all working? And for this whole season, it's been like, why are these guys not doing it? And why is this not working? Because they have that elite talent. And 17, 18, and 18, 19, you kept thinking, man, if this team had a couple five-star guards on it, this team would be incredible. But now you're thinking, man, looking back, if this current team had a Grant Williams or had an Admiral Scoville or a Lamonte Turner, I mean, you talk about two pit bulls, Lamonte and Admiral. Sometimes they were in the same junkyard going after each other. Yeah, I mean, Lamonte for for five years, Lamonte was the guy you did not mess with. Right. Maybe they just have Lamonte fatigue. They they thought he was just always going to be there. <laughs> There's always going to be kind of that guy in that Lamonte role. They got to figure it out. They they have time to figure it out. And, and you know, you can turn it on real quick and be a jerk for the next three or four weeks if you want to get this team where it's going to go. Uh, but they got to find that because it feels like that's the missing piece uh, to every all these questions that everybody has about this team. Yeah, and that's what – the only thing that bothers me about, you know, it seems like James has become the guy who – you know, Barnes – it's like a he's like a, a six foot one hair dryer, right? Like he just he's in everybody's face all the time, blowing hot air, getting into your collar, just pushing you relentlessly. Now you get off the floor, he's like your uncle. But you you get on the floor, I mean it's it's a drill sergeant, man. He's like everybody out there is private pile messing up on the course, and he's got to go out there and, and do something about it. But James has kind of become the guy, and I even saw this again during the game, and then some pictures afterward. Uh, there was a time where where Barnes was really, really, really getting into um, to Keon Johnson on the sideline after he won of his turnovers or fouls or something, and James was the guy who kind of went over there and kind of picked Johnson back up and was kind of like, "Come on, man, it's all right." Like uh, somebody else needs that role because Josiah has got to be the guy who also gets into your face like that. And I just, I'm not saying that I want these guys to fight because that's not what you want, but but I want to see someone get in someone's face at some point. You don't have to grab them by the jersey, but get in their face. And it doesn't matter who's looking. And be like, dude, stop it. You've turned it over three times in the past three minutes. You are killing us. Stop it. You know, just just do something, right? And then when they... Somebody's, somebody's got to roll up the newspaper. Basically, yes. I mean, because I, I, we oversimplify things sometimes. But still, you need that kind of a guy. And, you know, w- without... Schofield and without especially Lamonte Turner, they just haven't had that guy. Now, I do think there's a chance that someone like Gaines could have that role in a couple of years if he sticks around in the program. I mean, you know more about that kid's upbringing. Buffalo tough, man. He's he's seen some things and some stuff. He, he, he's he got that in him. Plofsic, I don't know if he's ever going to be like a consistent player at Tennessee, so I don't know if he can have that role. But, you know, for now, it's got to be Josiah, man. It just Because Fulkerson's not just going to wake up tomorrow and be like, Hey, I'm serious now. You know, it's just not his personality. And he's serious, but not like he's not going to get in somebody's face, really. Let's let's give Uros the uh, the role of picking picking them up on the sideline, picking up the pieces. He can he can whisper sweet Serbian nothings into their ear. Yeah, you did, go from there. You did okay. It's not that bad. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it gets better. Like you know, uh, let him do that. That's all I'm saying, man. I just because the pieces are there, like you said, Grant. We can go ahead and get out of here, but the pieces like are there they don't have like an absolutely maybe like pure pure born point guard obviously that's coming next year i think springer could be that guy and i think he will be that guy at the next level i just think he has point guard future written all over him but you know barnes is gonna ride or die with vescovi a lot of times he just is man that's 
he he feels more comfortable when that guy's pulling the strings. It, it feels like we're headed towards a march uh, fork in the road where everything clicks and this team goes on a run and it's like, oh, this is what this team should have been the last three months. Or they get bounced in the first round and everybody's like, what is going on with this team for the last three months? Yeah. What 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 has happened? Because, you know, right. I mean, but I mean, the, the way they're still recruiting at a high level, they got two more studs coming in next year. I mean, they're, they're going to be fine, but it's like, Man, you never want to assume that you're going to put together a team that has all the pieces again. Like maybe Fulkerson comes back. I don't know why he wouldn't. You know, maybe you have a similar kind of team next year, even though you don't have Springer and Johnson. You're still bringing in a really good guard, a couple of good yeah. guards, and you, and you still have guys like Vescovi and Bailey in the program. So you're still going to be good, really good. Um, and then you put a like an absolute stud point guard in the middle of it. Get to get Fulkerson back for his ninth year. You're you're, you're rolling. <laughs> But, you know, uh, get Kamwa, who I still think is – there's a player in there. We don't mention him enough, Grant. He's, he's going to be a player, I think, at some point. But Folky comes, Folky comes back, he gets the AARP scholarship. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he, he can play, but he can only play 20 minutes a night and no 9 p.m. tips. None. He's got to be in bed. <laughs> Matlock starts at, like, 9 o'clock, and then it's lights out. That's it. He can use his walker in the post. Yes. <laughs> And, you know, at halftime, he can go play shuffleboard. Just let him do what he wants to do. He gets warm milk run, on the sideline. Run transition on a hover round. <laughs> yes, no, that would, that would be Also, good. shout out, seriously, shout out Kennedy Chandler, Jemai Meshack, both nominated for the McDonald's All-American game. There you go. Um, I don't know if both of them make it. I'd be pretty surprised if Kennedy Chandler was not a McDonald's All-American based on the year he's having. He's a burger boy. And where, yeah. where he always is in the rankings. But I think Tennessee, this would be, if they do it this year, I think it would be the 10th time in program history they've signed a McDonald's All-American, and it would be the third time in the last three years, even though uh, they didn't play the game last year, obviously, and they're not playing it again this year. You know, but the status is still there. You're still a McDonald's All-American, so shout out those guys for getting nominated. And the last thing I'm going to say is, uh, when we're talking about old old man Fulkerson next season, what if they put like an, like an eight, like one of those acorn stair lifts, so when he, <laughs> when, when, when he checks out, he gets to go to like the first seat, but then it just sort of drags him. It's like on a rail, and it takes him down toward the end of the bench, and he gets to go to his seat. That's uh, incredible. He gets put, put he, one going up to the rim so he can finish lobs. Uh, he, he gets to wear slippers on the sideline when he's not playing. Give him time. He gets like a he gets like Velcro shoes. I mean, we could go on forever here. But uh, off we'll, the rails. Ah, we'll, we'll let it go there, man. Grant, I'm going to ask you this. You got anything else? No, never. That's ever. That's kind of what I figured. Thanks, man. Get on out of here. See ya. And you know what? Guys, if I can find the button, where is it? Where is it? There it is. Thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. As always, you can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey's Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. If you want Just Tennessee news, nothing else, go get that at twitter.com slash govols 24-7. And if you uh, want stuff on Facebook, go get that at facebook.com slash govoss247, where that page is updated all day, every day, you know, at least once an hour, pretty much all day long. No matter what time zone you're in, you can get fresh stuff there on Facebook. But if you want that most delicious East Tennessee Mountain Spring water just right from the tap, Smoky Mountain Deliciousness, go to govoss247.com and get that. The best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, baseball, uh, Lady Vols coverage with Maria Cornelius. We got two uh, forums that run 24-7. They're open for everybody who's a member. We got the checkerboard and we got the summit. Anything that's not politics or religion goes. 
anything but politics or religion. You ask us, we'll be there to answer it, whether it's sports, non-sports, whatever it is, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, one of us is going to be there to handle you. And if you're still kind of socially distanced, if you still can't get out much, you know, not everybody's got the vaccine yet, it's a digital water cooler for all things Tennessee, all of your Tennessee athletics questions, discussions with fans, right? It's replacing the water cooler. Go check that out. And you get all that right now, two months for one freaking dollar. Two months for one dollar. That's a deal. And you know what else you get on top of that? Access to CBS All Access in perpetuity. And then when it comes becomes Paramount Plus here in a little bit, same thing. And what do you get with that? Every show CBS has ever made commercial free. Every single one commercial free. New movies every single month. You get live sports. From uh, You get college football, you get college basketball, March Madness, NCAA tournament, obviously Vols football, SEC stuff, Vols hoops. You get PGA Tour, you get NFL, you get UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, all of that, plus plus things from the, from the libraries, the catalogs of MTV, BET, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, and Comedy Central. And then when it becomes Paramount Plus here in a little bit, you get even more. And that's going to be free. That is a $100 annual value in your pocket. So not only are we giving you a great deal to be a member of GoBalls 24-7, on top of that, we're doing what no one else can do, which is give you access for free to one of the best streaming services on the planet. Hell of a deal, guys. Hell of a deal. Go check that out. Uh, if there's no huge major breaking news, you should, hear, you should hear from us again by Monday. We'll see maybe before that, but at least by Monday for the regular edition of the podcast. Until then, wash your freaking hands, wear your freaking masks, be freaking nice to each other, keep your distance, and guys, the shots are coming. The vaccines are coming. Mom, my mom's got one. My mother-in-law's got one. Mom's getting ready to get her second. My dad gets his next week. They're coming, guys. They're coming. Until then, be nice to each other. We're almost through this. Just, just be cool with each other. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.